We're kicking off a new series today called New Drip. And uh, I just felt like I had to explain, you know, for those that are maybe over the age of 25, like a new drip is not something you go see your mechanic for. Uh, if you're of a certain age, new drip is not something you go see your doctor for either. Um, new drip is like the slang term. Drip became a, a slang term maybe like a few years back uh, that became popular and Gen Z is all about it. And drip is simply this. It is a slang term that's used to describe somebody's style as cool and fashionable. I like that, right? It's like you look at somebody and uh, here's how you use it in a, in a sentence. Man, that guy has some serious drip going. Does that, does that work? You guys clear on the definition now? Um, so we have this new series title called New Drip. And here's what I've come to find is that for all the most significant moments in our lives, we tend to get some new drip for that, right? Like maybe you got married and uh, you got that wedding drip going. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's that wedding dress that you got, and guys, you got the tux going for you. And then maybe for some like me, uh, you went to college, and four years later, you graduated, or maybe five, or maybe you did it at six, so no judgment here. Um, and then you graduate, and then you got that graduation drip. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, here's a picture of me at graduation from Taylor University. TU, shout out. Uh, as you can tell, I've got my graduation drip going. I'm really excited about it. My mom is kind of excited. I don't know what's going on with my dad. I'm like, hey, man, you can at least smile a little bit here. Like, I, I did it. I graduated. Uh, but for all these significant moments in your life, you get new drip for it. And usually those outfits signify a major change that has happened. Oh, you're graduated now. You're married now or whatever it is. And it's something we're celebrating. And here's what I've come to find is that when you and I go through the significant act, the most important moment in our lifetime of giving our life to Jesus where we enter into that relationship with Jesus, we surrender our lives to him that, did you know that we received a new drip as well? And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series because there's something so powerful that happens in that moment when you give your life to Jesus. And here's what the scriptures tell us in Galatians 3.26. It says that when you give your life to Jesus, that you've actually put on Christ. Here's what that means. It means that the righteousness of Christ, where you were imperfect, his perfection becomes yours, that he clothes you in, and you can now stand right before God, which is so powerful. And then Colossians, where we're going to be spending our time, Colossians 3, unpacks that idea even more, and it says that when you give your life to Christ, the new drip that you receive is a new self that God has now given you, that allows you to get rid of the old to put it off and to put on the new that God has now done for you. And that's what's true about every single person in here right now, listening to me, who has surrendered their life to Jesus. You've received a new self that God has now clothed you in. And then he calls us to go and to now live it out. So the title of this message is Righteous Wear, because I believe that it's a kind of wear that makes us stand right before God. But it's also the righteous kind of way that transforms the entire rest of our lives. And I believe that what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks is the same truth that changed my life. And I believe that it can actually change your life as well. And maybe there's three people in here today listening to this. And some of us in here, you've been a believer for a long time, a long, long time, decades. You've been walking with Jesus. And my prayer is this, that that day would never come where we get over the gospel. 
that we would never get used to the fact that our God loves us so much that even when we were lost, far away from him, enemies of God, he loved us so much that he sent his own son who laid down his life for us to save us and calls us into a relationship with him that we now get to be sons and daughters of God. I pray that that day never comes where we would get over it. And I pray that for the entire rest of our lives, we continue to unpack what does that really mean for us and making that new identity in Christ our own. So maybe that's you and you've been with a believer walking with Jesus for a long time. And I believe that this series is for you. And maybe some are in here and you're just maybe still growing in your faith and trying to figure out what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus and grow and walk into it. And this series has the power, this truth. The Bible says, seek to know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's this power that we're, this truth we're talking about has the power to set you free to live the life that God has called you to live, to actually experience the new self. And what that means. And maybe you're in here today and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And you're saying, I don't even believe all this Jesus stuff. I, I don't know where I stand with it. I'm an agnostic or maybe I'm an atheist. And I pray that through the next couple of weeks as we're unpacking the amazing kind of love that God has for us. What he's done for us. And this new drip, this new self that he's given us. And how amazing it is that we now get to walk in this newness of life. I pray that this truth would be so attractive to you, that God's love and his grace would be so attractive to you, that he would actually call you into a relationship with him through this next uh, couple of weeks that we're going to be walking through together. But like I said, man, understanding the new identity that we have in Christ, what it is he's actually done for us, will set us free to live the life that he desires for every single one of us. So you guys excited to jump into this over the next couple of weeks? Come on now, let's pray. Father, we just pause right now and invite you into this space as we're going to be looking through Colossians 3 over the next couple of weeks and what it means that we've put on the new self and we can now put off the old self and walk in the newness of life that you've purchased with the price of your son whom you sent, whose blood was shed for us to make us new, to cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. God, I pray that this truth would absolutely change us in a radical way. And God, I pray that you'd help me to just step out of the way and that you would speak so clearly, Father, over the next couple of weeks and help us all to just draw closer to you during this time. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, any younger siblings in here in the room? Younger siblings? Yeah. So I grew up and I was number four in line, in a line of boys. And so a uh, new drip was not something I had ever experienced in my life before. And I remember, because everything I got was always hand-me-downs, right? Like my oldest brother would use it and then number two and then number And then finally, by the time it got to me and it was all beat up and there's holes in it, stains on it, then it'd be like, hey, Merry Christmas, right? And I remember the first new clothing item that I got that actually like stands out to me was a new suit that we got one year. Uh, now, my parents went and they found a tailor and they bought some fabric and actually made us all boys these matching suits. And it was like a tan, like brown, you know, suit and some new shoes that went with it. And I remember that Christmas, going to that Christmas service and thinking, man, I look pretty good right now. I got some serious drip going on. I was proud of my drip. And man, it was an incredible feeling that came with that new, like, drip you got. You're walking out there. And I guess the term that Gen Z uses to, to when you got drip going on, it says that you're drippy. Uh, so I was feeling pretty drippy that day. Um, but there's something incredible that happens when you just put something on that's new. And it's like, oh, man, that feels good. I, I look good in it. And 
because of what God has done for us, the new self that he's put on us when we place our faith in Jesus, because it's a spiritual thing, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't feel like it. So Paul is going to write to the believers here in uh, the church in Colossae to explain to them, like, hey, do you realize what God has actually done for you in Colossians 3? And so if you're taking notes this morning, Paul is writing to them in Colossians 3 verse 1. He's like, hey, you've got new drip in Christ. Do you realize how amazing that is? So verse 1, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You've received a new drip in Christ. And Paul is using a lot of, what, what does he mean by raised, you know, with Christ and all this? Like, he's using a lot of baptism language. That's one of the reasons why we baptize, because baptism is an outward way, like a wedding band does when you get married. Baptism is an outward way of showing an, a powerful inner reality that happens spiritually when you give your life to Jesus. When we, when we dunk people underwater, which is what we do, we are signifying that they've now died to the old self. They've been united with Christ. And they've been raised to new life now. They've been made new, which is why if you've never been baptized before and you're a believer in Jesus in here, can I just encourage you, like, what are you waiting for? And we don't do baptism Sundays here at Mercy Road. Every Sunday is a baptism Sunday. And can we just celebrate also that for the last, like, several months, we've had a baptism almost every single Sunday. Can we just celebrate that, how God is moving? Yeah. But baptism is so powerful because it shows us outwardly what God has actually done for us. So that's what Paul is talking about here. And he further expands this actually idea in Romans 6 verse 3. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's what happens in that moment when you give your, your life to Jesus. You were baptized into his death. And it says we were therefore buried with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life. So Paul is writing to really expand this whole idea. Man, here, here's the new drip that you've received, this new self that you've put on. You've been raised with Christ and you've been made new. And what does that actually mean? And here's what it means when you place your faith in Jesus and you're made new in Christ. It means this, number one, that you have a new identity now. You've been raised with Christ your identity is no longer who you used to be. Your identity is who Christ has now made you. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You've been made new. You are forgiven. You are loved. That's who you are in Jesus. You have a new identity now. You've been raised with Christ and you're dead to sin. You are alive to God. And number two, it means that you now have a new priority. That's why Paul is calling them. Hey, because you have a new identity, because this is who you are now, your priorities change as well, and he tells them this, to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and it's a total mentality change that maybe before you become a believer, there's different priorities you might have in your life. You might be pursuing after success, or money, or comfort, or pleasure, or whatever it is, but when you give your life to Jesus, the priority now shifts, and now you're called to seek the things that are above, where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. So that God's priorities now become the priorities that you need to be pursuing in your life as well. And you have new priorities and a new mentality. And there's now a new authority that you have in life. Because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Because the scripture said that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has absolutely authority. And when he rose from the dead, Jesus stood in front of his disciples and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And then he sent them out to go and live it out in that same authority. And you now have that same authority in your life. Which is why the Bible says, because you are in Christ, sin will no longer have dominion over you. You've been set free. The same authority that Jesus has through his Holy Spirit living in you, the same spirit that raised him from the dead is also raising you to new life every single day. To be able to conquer sin and to continue to live the life that he has for you. You now have a new authority. And there's now a new reality that is so powerful. It might be hidden right now, but there's now a new reality that you're actually a part of. That is saying you've been raised to new life in Christ and the real who you are, our true selves, and all the glory of God that we get to share in is now hidden in this age. But someday when Jesus comes back, this new reality will be made manifest to everybody and they will actually get to see us as we truly are. That's why the scripture said that our citizenship is in heaven. Like this earth is not actually your home. Like you belong in heaven with God. Just think about that for a second. There's a new reality now that is true about you if you are new in Christ. And lastly, there is eternal security that you now have. It says that your life is hidden with God. That when you place your faith in Jesus, God does the saving. He does the sustaining. It's not just go, go try harder, do it on your own. No, he does the sustaining. And he does... The final uh, keeping and all those things that will happen, that there's an eternal security now. God is actually the one who is keeping you until Christ comes back to call you back to be with him forever. There's an eternal security that you now have because you are new in Christ. And guys, I don't know about you, but man, when I was still younger in my faith, I knew all the Bible stories, all of that. Yes, Jesus died for me. But man, I kept trying to every single time. Can I tell you the number of times that I asked Jesus into my heart? Because I just wasn't sure why. I just don't know. And this concept of because you're new in Christ, you have eternal security. It is once for all. It is done. Can radically change your relationship with God. When you are new in Christ, you have eternal security. It says this. Your life is now hidden with Christ. He does the saving. He does the sustaining. And he does the keeping as well, which is so powerful. And I don't know, but you might be listening to this right now. And you're thinking, yeah, that all sounds great. Uh, that's not really true for my life right now. If I look at the life that I'm living, I don't, I don't really feel that. I don't really understand a lot of that. And it's really important that we understand what happens at the moment of salvation. When you give your life to Christ and you become saved, you become a part of the family of God. It's a one-time event that happens, but it is a three-part play that takes place over our lifetime. Salvation is a one-time event, but it is a three-part play. And what do I mean by that? That when you, when you place your faith in Jesus and you receive him as your Lord and your Savior, that is a one-time event that gets you into a relationship with God. You are saved. You are made new. All those things happen immediately. That in the past, here's how one theologian puts it. In the past, we've been saved from the penalty of sin. That's what justification is. That means when you, when you run to Jesus, hey, God, I can never do it on my own. I need you, God. Would you save me, God, that you are saved in that moment? You are justified. You get to stand right before God. That is called justification. That has already taken place in your life when you surrendered your life to Jesus. But that means that in the present now, here's the second part of that act that we were a part of right now. In the present right now, there's this whole working out of that salvation 
which we call sanctification. These are all fancy theological terms that I spent a lot of money at college to learn, but it's free to you anyways. You don't have to go to college for it. But sanctification is the daily act of God continuing to work out that salvation in our lives. It means that God calls us to be holy as he is holy. And that standard of perfection that you and I could never live up to, to become holy as he is holy, that he calls us to every single day will continue to, sh- to fall short. And here's who Jesus is, here where Jesus is at, here's where you and I are. And there's a gap right there in our discipleship. And the daily task that we've been given as a believer for the rest of our lives is to continue to lean into it, to continue to close that gap so that more and more we become like Jesus every single day. Sanctification is a lifelong process that we now get to be a part of. So in the past, we've been saved from the penalty of sin. In the present, God is saving us from the power that sin has over us. We are learning every single day to put off the old self, to put on the new self every single day as God is saving us, as he's growing us, restoring us in the present. And then here's the hope that we have in the future. We have the hope of glorification, meaning that that saving act of God, that saving work of God in our lives actually will be completed someday when Christ returns. And it says that he will wipe away every tear and he will remove our sin from us forever. As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove your iniquities and your sins from you. And that's the hope that we have in heaven someday, that when Christ comes back, that he will actually complete the saving work and we receive glorified bodies and sin will be no more. And that is what we have to look forward to. But in this lifetime, we continue to fight against sin and lean into this process of discipleship and sanctification and getting rid of the old and putting on the new self every single day and... It's a concept that I hope we can understand that can actually free us up that we are living currently in the already, but the not yet of God's work in our lives and in the world. And to take courage in that, that someday he's going, to become, he's going to come back and he's going to fully make us new and we'll get to experience that. And here's what that means because we've received new drip in Christ. We've been made new now. It's already done. It means that we need a wardrobe change. We need a wardrobe change. My wife and I have been together for 13 years now, and when we met, we were in college, and she was like an athlete who lived like in sweatpants all day long as an athlete, right? Like anything athletic, that was like her daily outfit, and um, over time, you get to grow, and you like graduate college, and then you get your first like big boy job. You guys know what I'm talking about? You get your first big boy job, and you're like, man, those college, you know, clothing or whatever it is, like that wardrobe is just not going to work for me anymore. And then you begin to grow and mature over time. And you're like, yeah, the same stuff I wore in college. Like maybe I'm 50 years old right now. Like now it's time to clean out the wardrobe, right? And you continue to grow in that. And um, I'm, I'm also the kind of guy who likes to have a little fun in life. I just believe life is too short to be boring. And so there's certain outfit choices that uh, I've made in the past that can be a little bit questionable that are usually out there a little bit. And so usually my wife very lovingly will remind me who I actually am uh, in a very loving way. And here's how I usually know when I try something on that just is not who I am. And she reminds me that I am actually a 30-something-year-old father of three kids. That is not appropriate for me. She does it in a very loving way. And here's how I know. She does one of these. Ew. (laughs) And usually I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go take it off. I'll take it back, whatever it is. And 
Most of the time I listen to her, but sometimes I don't. And I've ended up with some questionable things. And here's one of them that I didn't listen to her on. I actually thought that I could pull this off right here, the male romper. And uh, thankfully, it didn't work as a daily outfit, but it did work for an 80s party that me and my son went to right there. But there are certain things because of who you are now in Christ that are no longer appropriate for you in your life. That, man, you've got this new drip, this new amazing self that God has now given you. And, man, sometimes we tend to still keep and hold on to the old in our closet. And Paul is about to write to them now and tell them of certain things that, hey, because you put on the new self, here's some old things that you need to go and have a complete wardrobe change from. And so he says this next in Colossians 3, verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, because you're new, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked. You used to walk in those things. That used to be you. But he says this, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And all these things are things that belong to the old self. And so many of them are things that happen on the inside of us. That even sexual immorality and sexual sin, that oftentimes it's the lust within that grabs a hold of us and then plays out and the anger on the inside and all these things that happen on the inside. And here's the biggest difference between having a relationship with Jesus and the living God and religion is that religion gives you a a bunch of list of rules to keep that are all external things and you might look good on the inside, but religion has no power to help you deal with what's going on on the inside. The kind of new self that we receive, the righteous wear that God has given us is not just one that we put on on the outside, but it's the kind that transforms us from the inside out, makes us actually new. And all these things that are in our lives begin to change now and begin to, we begin to see that because we've been clothed in Christ, we put on Christ that his character more and more becomes like us. And there's conviction that happens in our lives that are reminding us like my wife would, ew, get rid of that in your life, right? It doesn't belong to you anymore. You need to get rid of that. And all these things we do, not because we're trying to earn our way to God, but we do those things because God has already approved of us. We don't work for God's approval. We work from a place of approval in our lives to deal with these sins and to get rid of these things in our lives. And here's what religion does. Religion gives you a list of rules to keep And a relationship with Jesus gives you a person, the Holy Spirit, that takes up residence in your life and begins to actually transform you. That the Holy Spirit is like the new tenant that moves into your heart and begins to one by one move furniture around, clean out some things that you haven't cleaned in a while, goes into that closet maybe you've kept hidden that you might have not even touched, that you're unwilling to touch, and begins to convict you, begins to get rid of those things in there. And that's what religion could never do for you. That's what Jesus back in the day with some of the Pharisees were talking to them. He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but there's death on the inside. And only the Holy Spirit can step in, can bring new life, can bring true transformation. For us to walk in the new life that God has actually purchased with his son that he sent to die on the cross for you. But Here's what I know as well is that if you're like me and all of us, We have that really comfy sweater that we've held on to. It might be 20, 30 years long, uh, 30 years old. There's some stains on it. It's beat up, whatever it is. And we have, but man, it is so comfortable though. I can have all these new 
clothing items in my closet. And man, it's amazing. Here's a new suit. Here's a new whatever. But man, when I get home this afternoon and I'm watching football, it's going to be that old sweater that I'm going to put on. And it's because it provides comfort for me. It provides security for me. And all of us have those clothing items in our wardrobes or closets. That to walk in the new life and put on the new self means that we begin to go into and look at and say, what is maybe something old right now in this wardrobe that I'm holding on to for security, for identity, for comfort that does not belong in my closet? And to begin to surrender those things to Jesus and say, can you help me do that which only your Holy Spirit can? Can you convict me? Can you help me to get rid of this thing in my life that this simply doesn't belong anymore because I belong to you now, Jesus? So many of us keep running back to that same old comfy clothing item that we have. Doesn't matter if it looks all raggedy and it has holes in it. I don't care. I feel comfortable in it. It gives me security and comfort. And you will never experience the true freedom, the true security, the true identity, the true comfort that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life if you continue to hold on to the old. So can I challenge you maybe today and just ask you this, what is in your closet right now that does not belong in your wardrobe? What is in your wardrobe today that the Holy Spirit in this moment, not to bring judgment on you, but in a loving way is telling you, hey, it doesn't belong there anymore. Get rid of it today and surrender that to Jesus that you would experience the new self that he has for you. And number three, you need to stick to your style. Stick to your style. I remember about 15 years ago or so when like the whole hipster movement became a thing. You guys remember that? And the hipster movement is kind of ironic because it was all about like doing that which was like not popular. So here's a popular place that everybody shops. Nope, we're going to go shop where like nobody's ever heard of. Here's music that everybody likes and hipsters are like, nope. We're only going to listen to bands that you've never heard of. And I remember being back in college and that movement was still kind of going on. And I was like, okay, I'm open to it. Like, you know, I'm open to embracing the whole, you know, style, whatever it is. Like some of the clothes look okay, whatever. And um, indie music, artists I've never heard of. Like I can, I'm open to it. And I started looking into it and I was like, well, this is ridiculous. It's so much harder, like going out of your way to avoid everything that everybody else does. Like you can't just go to Starbucks. You have to go to some coffee shop and a microbrew kind of coffee that nobody's ever heard of before. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why spend more money to buy new clothes that look old just because nobody else has? I'm like, I- I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. Why only go to concerts and artists that nobody's ever heard of? And I, I just began to look into the lifestyle, but some people were really committed to it. Like some guys on my floor that I knew, man, they were all about that lifestyle. They just went all in on it. That everything that they did, they even like rode these bicycles that, you know, on a bike, somebody invented this amazing thing called gears on a bike. So that when you're like out there, you're getting your workout in and it gets harder, you can shift gears and oh, it's a little bit easier now. And hipsters were like, nah, that's too mainstream. Give me a fixed gear bike with just one gear. Because that's the cool thing to do apparently when you're a hipster. And I'm just like, I don't get it. It's so much harder to like do everything the opposite of everybody. And so I was thinking about this and I realized like some of them were so committed to that in every single area of their life. And it was harder, but that was like their commitment to be a part of the lifestyle, to have the style that they have. And that's really what it's kind of like being a believer and walking in this new self that we're talking about. That it's not just a piece of clothing that you put on in one area. 
It is a complete lifestyle and a complete style change that God wants to bring into our lives. So that every single area we begin to ask, in my dating relationship, what does it look like for me to put on the new self here? At my job, what does it look like for me to put on the new self and walk that and live that out here at my job? In my marriage, what does that look like? At my school, what does it look like? On my sports team, what does it look like? I'm a supervisor at work who leads people that are under my care that God has entrusted me leadership over. What does it look like for me to put on the new self and to be more like Christ in that? It is a complete style change that God is calling us to. And we're going to unpack that more next week and talk about what does that look like for every single area to actually begin to reflect this new self that we have. But that's the kind of life that God is calling us to so that we would experience this new self that we have in him, which is already ours, by the way. And, you know, I grew up in, the Christian, in a Christian home in the church, and it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I actually opened up the Bible and began to actually read it for the first time ever. And I discovered God's grace for the first time ever, and it radically changed my life. Like, I would not be in ministry today if it wasn't for opening up God's word, reading the truth, that truth setting me free to experience God's grace and his love for me. All these things that were true about me, because I found myself just trying hard on my own to live up to this new life, this new call of God on my life, and just struggling with certain things and not understanding what Christ had already done for me, that he had already made me new, and doubting my faith over and over again. The number of times I asked Christ into my heart, anytime there was an altar call, anytime there was, oh God, I, I don't know, just, just in case, because I'm just struggling with all these things, and then I discovered God's grace, and that grace Man, it set me free to just know how much God loves me, to realize that everything we're talking about today is not something you go and you achieve on your own. It's something that is given to you by, by a God who loves you, who says you could never do it on your own, but that's why I sent my son to step in that gap when you could never fill that gap on your own. I sent my son to come in to be perfect when you were imperfect, to set you free, to experience this new life then. I actually have for you and it changed my life forever. And here's what I found that for some of us, there's different responses we can have to sin. Some of us maybe minimize sin, but for most of us, the way that we respond to sin is by feeling shame and by feeling guilt. And that same shame and that same guilt is what the enemy uses to accuse us, to drive us further away from God, where we begin to doubt his love for us his acceptance of us in Christ, begin to doubt the new self that we already have that is ours. And here's what I've come to realize how God responds to our sin. God responds to our sin and our shame and our guilt by covering us up, by clothing us. That if you read the scriptures, you begin to see a pattern that is evident every single place in scripture where you read about God clothing somebody it is always a direct response to human beings doing what humans do, sinning, falling short of his glory, carrying shame, carrying guilt. And God responds every single time by saying, hey, let me take off the filthy garments that you have. Let me put on this new self around you. Let me remind you who you are in me. God responds to our sin every single time by clothing us. Some new drip. 
It's what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 3? They sin against God. They begin to right away feel so much shame, so much guilt, and they begin to hide and run away from God. And God finds them and he decides to make clothing for them. And he covers them up to remind them that he still cares for them. He still loves them and he still pursues them and to foreshadow what he was getting ready to do in the person of Jesus. And it's the same thing that Ezekiel talks about, that Zechariah talks about in Zechariah 3, where Zechariah the prophet has this vision of Joshua, the high priest, standing before God. And it says that in Zechariah 3 that Joshua was covered in filthy garments. And it says, you know who stood right next to, Josh, to Joshua? It was Satan himself accusing him, reminding him how filthy his garments stood. And here, look at God's response in this moment. Zechariah 3 and verse 3, it says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed in filthy garments. And the angel said to those that were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I've taken away your iniquity, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. A foreshadowing of what God was getting ready to do in the person of Jesus and then the prodigal son, remember that? From Luke 15, who wandered away from the father, insulted his dad, went away, reckless living, sinned against the father, decides he's no longer worthy to be a son and comes home to beg his dad to become a servant, comes home and as he's still far away, that the father ran towards him and it says this, that the father put the best robe around him and a ring on his finger to remind him, hey, you are still my son, you are still my daughter. God is reminding us over and over again that we serve a God who doesn't respond to our sin with more guilt and more shame and judgment. He comes in and he says, hey, I want to clothe you. Wrap my arms around you. To give you the righteousness of Christ that you would put on the new self and remember that you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love and he wants to do that for every single one of us in here. Somebody needs to be reminded in this place that maybe you've messed up and your sin has you feeling guilt and shame today. God is not here to judge you. He is here to clothe you with the new self, with the righteousness of Christ for you to feel his love and his embrace today. And that truth is able to set you free to live the life that God actually desires for you that the enemy wants to come in and stand next to you as he did for Joshua in this vision and accuse you and tell you, you're not worthy enough. God could never use you. You've messed up too much and God says, no, I've removed your filthy garments from you. Look at the pure clothing. Look at the new drip that I've given you in Christ. Righteousness of Christ is yours in him because he loves you, not because of anything you've done to deserve it, all because of his grace. The scripture says, for by grace you've been saved. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. So we humbly come before Jesus in this moment. And all of us just on our knees, we say, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Would you pray with me? Father, we humbly before you in this moment simply just say thank you. Thank you, God, for your amazing love that pursues sinners. And while we were yet far away from you, Christ, you pursued us and you demonstrated your love for us by saving us and making us new in you and somebody in here right now feels like they've messed up too much they find themselves weighed in guilt and in shame today and God would you just remind them would you reach out right now touch them remind them of your love for you in this moment remind them what Jesus has done for them and God for those that don't have a relationship with you in this moment God, would you invite them? Would you call them to you in this moment, even right now? And that's, if that's you in the room right now or even online, and you're just saying, man, I, I feel far away from God and 
I don't know how God could ever love somebody like me. Can I remind you today that he loves you? He sent his son to die on the cross for you. Christ rose again from the dead and he conquered sin and he defeated death for you. And that new life can be yours today if you just surrender and you receive this free gift of salvation. It really is that simple. I want to give you that opportunity. So if that's you right now in the room, just on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to make that commitment today to receive this free gift of Christ. And one, Jesus loves you. Two, he went to the cross for you. Three, he conquered sin and death for you and he welcomes you home into a relationship with him today. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now in the room? If that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus, would you raise a hand right now in this room? Anybody in here want to make that commitment? It really is that simple. So raise a hand and say, yes, I believe. I want to be forgiven of my sin today. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Just raise a hand right now. Anybody in here want to make that commitment today? If you raise the hand, just pray something like this with me and say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to a cross for my sin. And I receive your free gift today of salvation. And God, I pray and ask that you'd help me to live for you, to walk in the new life, the new self that you've given me in Jesus. Would I walk in that for the rest of my life? God, we thank you so much for loving us. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.